Bonjour. It is time once again for your in-depth look, at least as best we can, at French football. Good evening to you all. My name is Chris and I'm your host for this week's French Football Weekly podcast. And happy to say there are a, a fine group of gentlemen and, and lady amongst us, as always. So introducing, first of all, our, uh, our regular panellists. Uh, good evening to Phil. Hi. And good evening to Jess. Hello. And we have a very special guest this evening. Um, not only is he a, a long-suffering Lille fan, uh, well, I say long-suffering, it feels long, doesn't it? Uh, but he's also a former member of this parish, and you'll all know him very well. So uh, good evening and welcome back to Mr. Andrew Gibney. Hello, Gib, how are you? Good evening, Chris. Thanks for having me on that. You said special as well as your winning points straight off the bat. <laughs> Could rephrase that if you want me to. Um, <laughs> First of all, we will just say a very quick congratulations to you and your good lady wife. Um, first time we've spoken to you on the, on the air since. So uh, hope you're enjoying the married life. It's going a lot better than Leo's season. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, and it's there. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, it is there. We're actually going to begin the pod because we've only got you for a short period of time. So we're going to kind of do a uh, reverse gear um, and then forwards pod this week. So um, we are going to start off with Lille versus Marseille. Um, it happened last weekend, 29th of October. Uh, Gib, you were there in the uh, Stade Pierre Malois and... Um, you witnessed a one-nil defeat for your beloved little side uh, at the hands of Rudy Garcia's Marseille. Uh, before we sort of break it down to individual things to do with Leo, what did you make of the game, the experience, how much has changed, and how, what, how, what kind of feelings were you left upon leaving the game? <laughs> uh, if I'm not allowed to swear, I probably can't mention the after-game feelings. It was, it was difficult because looking afterwards, really, uh, Marcelo Bielsa said it was the best that. We've defended the best with the we've attacked. I really can't get on board with the attacking one at all. I thought they were atrocious at times. And you're trying to watch, you're thinking this is a young team. They're trying to learn Bielsa's ways. They're trying to learn the system. What is he actually trying to do? What is the game plan? And it seems to be the game plan is just try and chip it up to Nicolas Pepe and hope that something happens. If that's your first route to go, you're going to struggle for the whole of the season. He's not even a striker. He's not tall enough to play that role. When they try and get the ball wide and they're missing Kevin Malqui for varying understandable levels of, of what's happened there, when they go wide, they're a lot better. Thiago Mendes makes them 100 times better. Uh, and the game is virtually over as soon as he moved him to right back. Uh, we can probably come back to that and be able to uh, throw darts uh, at a board to pick his team. Uh, and... Uh, you look at the way Mar- Marseille scored very early and then you could sense they were like, well, you're not going to score, so we really don't have to bother trying to score again. And and that was the sense, apart from some set pieces, and even then El Ghazi kind of failed to beat the first man. We really, I think Mandanda made a couple of saves, but they're all from distance. That's not creating a goal-scoring opportunity. That's just having a goal because there's nothing else on. And it just it isn't good enough. And I'm, you're trying to look for positives and... I was saying to Tom, who was at the game with me, if you played really well and they were trying really hard and creating chances and you still get beat, you can you can take that and you can sort of say, well, it'll happen, it'll come. I think everyone said about Liverpool that they'll put goals past someone eventually the way they're playing and the way Man City have as well. You can't even see where the goals are going to come from and I think that's the most depressing part. Yeah, I think that's a quite a quite a damning assumption, but uh, assessment. Sorry, but but absolutely right. What what is it you you've obviously followed Leo sort of closely for a number of years, and, and this season that there was all the hype about Bielsa coming in, and what would he change? How much could he change? How quickly? What is the the single biggest issue you think is there? Is it purely the the sheer weight of players coming in? Um, our good friends at BT Sport for once made a, a good point, which is rare, has to be said. But um, they were saying about the sheer number of experienced players that got out the door without really being replaced. Is that the biggest issue that, that has happened with so many younger players coming in? Definitely. I, I wrote a piece uh, for my website, Football Whispers. Uh, I think the average age of the players leaving the squad was 27 and the average age of the players coming in was 21. That's a, a massive turnaround. And players like Vance and Yema, who you're, you're kicking out for no good reason, Marco Basha, even like Frank Berry has moved upstairs. You can't tell me these guys, maybe not even on the pitch, but couldn't do a job in and around that squad. Having someone like Basha to guide 
Edgar Aye or Amadou and these guys to how to be centre backs, uh, having Enyema to, to to help Mangan become a goalkeeper, and that's it's massive. Then my friend Guillaume said that this is basically Bielsa's laboratory now. He's going full Bielsa. There's no one to stop him from just making all these changes he wants to make. And it's like, can I be successful with just a team of young players that we like? And the answer is no. At Monaco, you had Alexis Romal and Gignac and these guys who are seasoned veterans guiding the youngsters. And it's now just there's no one looking at like, Thiago Mendes could probably be the captain of that team. Amadou has been captain. and He's not been there long. It's too much change, too much youth and too much Bielsa, I think it's... And, <laughs> From what I heard at the weekend, I think it was possibly Kevin Malquiers but they've all agreed to go to Bielsa and say, stop playing people out of position. Like even the players are starting to revolt against his ways behind behind closed doors. And then there was no injury, there was no knock, and Malquiers was taken out of the squad, which says a lot. So that's the sort of talk within, within Leo, that when the fans aren't happy, there's been a banner today at uh, the training ground in a jezzle like this, it basically said, Mets, this is your last chance. Uh, they were singing about, we need to win, move your asses. So it's, and there was, there was another banner saying, uh, patience is not unlimited. I take on the Leo's lost unlimited hashtag. So there's not been booze, <laughs> not been booze of that yet, which is surprising, but the, the tide is starting to turn on me. So people are starting to come across to my side, the dark side, and see the light when it comes to this Argentine fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Strong words indeed. And, and any positives? I mean, Tiago Mendes is probably the one that I've looked at and thought, yeah, there's a player there. Tiago Maia is another one that has impressed in, in spells. There's, there is a few young players that you can see in Pepe being one if he's played in the right position and given time as a young lad, there is, there's something there. Is, is that the only positive you can see, or, or has there been anything else you've seen, whether it be Bielsa orientated or otherwise? Well, the centre-backs haven't been bad. I think Alonso's settled in quite well for someone who arrived in France in, in January. Amadou looks like he could be a leader. Yet Thiago Mendes, there's, he's definitely our best footballer, without a doubt, because you can see when he gets on the ball, things can happen. Just really not got anyone to make it happen to. Uh, and it's just really trying to find positives is the hardest part, and it's becoming, I'm sure Jez will be on board with this, a bit of a chore to watch your own team at the moment, then we get to watch them be together. <laughs> yeah, that's always the, the, the toughest part. Um, I know we've, we've only got you for limited time, Gib, but um, yeah. Jez, is there anything you wanted to, to throw into the mix that you'd like to mention, particularly about the game that Jez, that uh, Andrew is at, or anything Lille orientated? I mean, in terms of looking for positives, from what I've seen, it is definitely the best that Lille have played this this season, um, possibly with the exception of the not match, um, but which says a lot, doesn't it? That is that. That's yeah. What it to. I think the, the best one I made game a DM me the day the non games. I couldn't watch it live, and he said, "This is the most football I've seen in <laughs> seventy five minutes that I've seen all of last season." And his first word to me on Sunday was, "That was the last football I saw as well." <laughs> I mean, uh, you you were talking mainly about. Leo going forwards, but you mentioned the goal, but that, I mean, that was also horrific defending, which yeah. again, if you had sort of more experienced players and, you know, nothing against Menon, but um, and maybe even the more experienced goalkeeper marshalling the defence, that wouldn't happen five minutes yeah. in. Um, I, think, I think you could have one or the other, can't you? I think you could have Mangan and an experienced back four or have Inyema marshal these guys. It was, it was interesting to hear... Um, Rudy Garcia after the match. I heard Christophe um, Dugarry really slagging him off um, for basically he he kind of had a real dig at Bielsa and said, you know, it's I don't understand how he's managed to or why he's got rid of Enyama and Basha and um, Mavuba. I can't remember if you mentioned anyone else sort of all in one go and sort of questioning the wisdom of doing that. And Dugarry was kind of criticising Garcia saying, you know, there's a kind of, you know, unspoken union of managers and you don't criticize other managers publicly unless you're Mourinho, I guess. But when Push Dugarry said he absolutely 100% agrees with what he said, he just didn't think Garcia should have said it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you, you know my feelings on Rio Mavu. I think anyone who listened to this pod in the past does. 
would, I would take him right now in that team. Put him beside <laughs> Thiago Maia, put him beside Thiago Mendes, and just I think when things go bad, you need you need your leadership, you need leaders, and that I think that's I think there's people in the team who could do leaders, but again, they're, they're sort of getting asked to step up far too far too quickly, and it's you can't see where the hope's going to come from. I think their only hope is Jesuit were playing your lot at the weekend, and if you lose that, I mean, how can they justify them keeping his job? I can't. I mean, I I just if we win, which is extremely unlikely, I can't see how he can stay. Considering how how poor mess have been this year, um, it's, the, the it's pro- as good as a free win. He's so ingrained in this this sort of project. He's one of the cornerstones. Apparently, uh, Luis Campos is really unhappy with Bielsa as well. The way he's using these players that he's found, like I found you one of the best young Brazilian defensive mids. Or is he going to play him at left back against Malcolm? <laughs> well done. <laughs> so, so it's not. It, if this if this court's happening in the background as well, then that's that's the sort of the biggest straw towards the, uh, breaking the camel's back and be able to leave. And the other issue is who the hell do you get in to try and turn this around? That's that's probably the biggest the biggest <laughs> question uh, and, and the hardest one to answer if it is indeed answerable. Full stop. Um, Phil, anything Co- you want to? Cumin. Oh God, can you imagine? I'd, I'd even take Frank De Boer. Like, <laughs> Uh, uh, I mean, Sam uh, one, one, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, one bright spark, obviously, um, was the Coupe de la Ligue happened before the weekend's action, and Lille are through, uh, having beaten uh, bottom of Ligue de bottom half of Ligue de Valenciennes five uh, four on penalties with a formation that could charitably describe be described as three 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 something and um yeah uh, apparently there were scouts present to watch alonso who was playing on the left of the left center back yeah back three maya was back there it, i think i got a we, we got a kind of excited tweet saying enyama is back and then Mignon was still in goal um yeah. so you know you're through but that also didn't look massively convincing yeah, apparently or comfortable uh, for anybody. Frank. My first question was, like, how many people turned up for the game the other day when my friend gave said so that was thirty four thousand. I was like, bloody hell. So apparently every season ticket holder could get four free tickets for the game. <laughs> Is that what it's be? Free tickets, that? did you say? Like for, for so you get four tickets for nothing. <laughs> Is that so what you divide that by five, so like seven thousand people bought a ticket. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yes, wow is what I'm going to go with on that one. Um, just before you go then, Gib, uh, yes. Liga as a whole, um, taking Lille aside, which is probably the only way you can answer this question, enjoyable season so far for you from a watching perspective, from a writing perspective? Yeah, I think it's been, it's been really interesting. We've seen what Ranieri is doing at Nantes, uh, in Bordeaux, been great to watch, apart from uh, when they played Monaco the other day, which was a decent match. Uh I think it's so close. You look at Montpellier up there and Toulouse up there. Gangon were hard to beat. Amion had their spell. I mean, it's as unpredictable as ever. Uh, it's good to see Leon getting back on the winning run again. Nabel Fakir, probably one of the standouts when I've, games that I've watched. Uh, and I, I, it pains me to say it. Fawning Tovan doing a pretty good job at Marseille as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that and must have Campos. It's like, what happened there? <laughs> His 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 acting skills have come on an absolute bundle. He's been brilliant on that stage. He went even higher up my list of players after that. <laughs> no, yeah, it didn't didn't go down particularly well, did it? But uh, good stuff. Okay, Gabe. Well, we will uh, we will let you go. Um, thank you very much for for sliding in. We appreciate it. And um, hopefully, by the time we get you on again, uh, something will have changed. Not good or bad, who knows? But something will have changed. League do. I'm looking forward to watching League do next season. Well, as 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 a Laurie, I'm, as a Lorient fan, we will welcome you next season if we're still there. So, yeah, indeed. No, if Mets win and Bielsa goes, maybe we'll both be happy. <laughs> All three of us down there. <laughs> but, so, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks for coming on. No pleasure. No worries. We'll speak to you again. Cheers, Gib. Bye. 
Right. Okay. So that was uh, our good friend Andrew, and um, we will now crack on with the rest of our show. Uh, we're introducing kind of a, a slightly different take uh, this week's show. It will probably fill uh, or fit into the gaps nicer next week. But uh, we're introducing a very very quick roundup of the other results, uh, and then continuing to focus on specific games. So uh, we shall go with the rest of the results from Liga or this past weekend gone in Loiken Kifu. And this uh, this will start with the 2-0 victory for Monaco, who uh, beat uh, Bordeaux uh, rather, say surprisingly, but quite comfortably. The NK de Balde and Thomas Lemar with the goals there. Khan also dispatching Troyes by one goal to nil. Ready Rodolan, of course, who else? Other than uh, other than Santini, of course. But he got the winner on 30 minutes and can continue their decent uh, rise up the table. Dijon rather surprisingly beating Claudio Ranieri's Nantes. Julian Tavares with the goal there. Uh, Montpellier. Losing at home to Ren, uh, rumour has it Rich Allen is still celebrating as we speak. Uh, <laughs> Phil very much is not. Uh, Brandon with the winning goal in that game. And Strasbourg picking up another useful point, but maybe uh, regret they didn't get all three goals from Lala and Terrier. Uh, Cancelled up by Toko Kambe and Gilles Sunu for Angers in a 2-2 draw. Uh, Toulouse and Saint-Etienne played out a pretty dire nil-nil draw and of course we've covered Lille and Marseille earlier on we've got two other games to come back to which we will do shortly very quickly in Ligue 2 as well because I know you will like to know where that's going at the moment and uh, we find around the top of the league at the current time they have 30 points for their 13 games played uh, a 3-0 victory for Norsey continuing their run at the weekend uh, second place Jaxio drawing 1-1 with Clermont they sit second and Nîmes are uh, on a three-game winning streak after a 2-1 victory over Valenciennes. Uh, the wonderful Lorient are uh, 2-0 victory over Tours. Uh, they are currently up in fourth with Paris FC, Love, Clermont and Brest making up the top eight. Down at the bottom, Tour not having the best of seasons. Uh, four straight defeats now after that defeat to Lorient. Uh, Kivelli are down in second or 92nd second bottom, 19th place. A 2 0 uh, home defeat to La Havre. And Lons, still rather surprisingly, also in the relegation playoff spot after a 0 0 draw with Chateau Just so that's one, one point on tour who yes. have one point in their last five games and look shocking were actually the only uh, giant killing in the last uh, round of the Coupe de la Ligue, beating ah. Nantes uh, 3-1, wow. uh, which given that, I've checked this, Tour had only scored, have still only scored five goals in 13 league games, managed to score three against Nantes, who are, you know, doing quite well. So that seemed a very kind of strange upturn but it might be one of those situations where they're going down but they're going to give the cup a good run because you know there'll be some cheer somewhere so yeah that yeah. was unexpected unexpected indeed yes and uh it was worth worth the shout out as well for them um right okay so we will uh, we'll just cut into our other two games that we wanted to feature this week and uh, they are the Leon and uh, Gangon games. We're going to start with the uh, the Leon score, which uh, unfortunately, Jez, we'll start with you. Uh, resulted in another Mets defeat, um, another scoreless game. Two goals for Naviel Fakir, captain fantastic. He is having a lovely season, um, but sadly at Mets' expense. Um, where do you go from here, I guess, from a Mets perspective, and, and how impressed or otherwise were you of, of Leon? Um. Uh, I'll start with Mets. I mean, there's not really much to say. It was like a lot of um, the rest of what they've played this season. Not great at all. Um, I think this match was kind of put down to let's get this defeat over and done with and onto the onto the um, Frederick Hans era. Um, I think with the best win in the world, it's very sad because Philip Hinchberger really is a, a Mets legend, but um, I think possibly last season, in some ways, we were slightly lucky um, to stay up, and um, I'm not. I'm just not sure that he was he was um, good enough to cut it as a league and coach. Frederick Hans has been there, done that. Um, first of all, he's been good at getting teams promoted if it comes to that, which it probably will. Um, but also with Bastia, he did a decent job um, keeping them up. So. With no money. 
with I think no money. That th I think their net spend it just didn't even exist when he was Bastia uh, manager. They didn't spend any money on players in his basically his entire tenure, and he yeah. still managed it. So, so I think that um, I don't know. I, I'm sort of more positive with him there that, than uh, unfortunately with with Hinchberger and. Um, I think he will tighten things up, but I, we've got such a long way to go. I just I can't see how we can stay up. You know, we're, we're I think seven or eight points adrift of the safety zone. Mm -hmm. um, I guess on paper, um, possibly the best match for him to start with is second bottom, um, but in a way that makes the stakes even higher. So it makes it even worse if we if we lose. Um, but you know, home match, his first match in charge. You always hope that there's a bit of a sort of new manager bounce. Um, but he hasn't, you know, he hasn't got long to work with. It's a pity that match wasn't sort of after the international break where he had a bit longer to work with the players. I still think that there's a reasonable squad there. I don't think they're necessarily among the three worst squads mm. in Liga. Um, they've had a little bit of bad luck along the way, but you know, not not enough to justify just how badly the season's gone. The bottom line is, you know, similar problem to Everton in the Premier League, and I think a few other teams suffering from that. Um, as much as anything else, they're just not scoring goals. They're creating chances. Matteo Dosevi is, I think, maybe third, something like that, in the assist chart. And considering he missed the first um, three or four matches of the season, that's pretty impressive. But um, yeah, the fact that he's set up all but one goal and yet he missed, he's missed, you know, a third of the season shows how, how much difficulty um, Mess are having finding the lack of the net. Mm. Um, and, you know, last year we were saved by, by Diabate coming in in January and scoring some important goals. I can't see that we're going to be in a savable position by January, whoever we bring in. Yeah, I just um, I was mentioning earlier, uh, looking at the um, understat stats for XG, for example, uh, that Mets have got five goals scored so far in the league, which is the lowest. Um, but the XG suggests they should have nine and a half. So they're kind of they're making decent chances, but not finishing them, not converting them, whether that's something to do with confidence, inexperience in the team, whether management can change that, make them more um, make them more efficient. Uh, as Hans come in, Hans is known for, you know, making less showy teams efficient, uh, that that would be a big help. Um, so hopefully over the next couple of games, we're going to see uh, if this, uh, if there is, are going to be a recovery and as just said you know January is a possibility but that's actually you know quite a way off in terms of the the number of games that are going to actually be played what interested me was that the Mets Lille game was moved because we already had three Sunday games scheduled because of the Europa League and Mets Lille was moved to the Sunday which did make you wonder whether uh, certain people thought that this could possibly be a key game in managerial changes. Obviously, Mets have already uh, already uh, uh, changed manager. Uh, so was it because they thought that this might be the uh, last nail in the Bielsa coffin? Uh, will be an interesting uh, development to see on Sunday at five o'clock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, and credit where credit's due, you can only beat what's in front of you. And despite uh, reservations about uh, Bruno Giacchino from many, including most of his own fan base, uh, Leon continued to impress. And uh, fair play to them for dispatching Mets. But we will move on uh, and give uh, Jez some time off from that uh, horrible <laughs> thought for a minute. And we'll talk uh, Gangob Amian. The reason I've, I've pulled this game out really was just to give a little bit of a shining light to some of the, the teams that we may not focus on regularly. Everybody wants to hear about PSG and Monaco and the like, but sometimes it's nice to focus on further down the table. Uh, this ended in a 1-1 draw. 
uh, a uh, an opening goal for uh, El, is it Al Hayam? I think that's how you pronounce it for uh, Amian uh, with the opening goal, good header and, and a, a terrific header actually for Dio for uh, Gangot, which equalised the score. Uh, a a uh, two yellow cards, uh, equaling a red, of course, for uh, Guano, uh, resulting in Amian ending the game with ten men. But um, what what's uh, I'll give you a sort of a team each on this one, Phil. I'll start with you, Gangot. Um, what what sort of kind of roof do they have on their season? I mean, they sit in the 11th at the moment. Um, Fair to say they've had a a fantastic couple of years, um, given the size of the club and uh, what they've achieved. It's it's been way and above probably what most of their supporters would have expected. Is it a a case of just kind of status quo for them and staying in Liga, or or can they once again push on for these European places, do you think? I think this season that might be tricky. I mean, like you say, they're in 11th at the moment. They're out of the first cup. They... The players that took them to the European uh, kind of glory, etc., were uh, have moved on. They're still a, a good, solid team, but I'm not sure you're going to see more from them in terms of putting a run together uh, and pushing up this season. Maybe not next season. This is kind of a holding, uh, a holding season, I think, and and then we'll we'll see if they can build up again because there are some uh, some good youngsters coming through I think they're I think they're one of the older teams uh, in general in in Liga so there's going to need to be some you know some some movement there but um, you know they're they're 11th then I, I don't think they're in any danger of going down but they're also probably not in any danger of you know getting a, a you know a top six finish or a European place. Um, so, yeah, I think this is going to be a, a holding season for them. Um, and then looking more at, at Amiens, obviously they you know, want to stay up. They've had you know, some, some good results, there, but they're down there and they're looking a bit worried as you'd expect. So it's going to be whether they can kind of hold their nerve and put some, some games together against uh, uh, the teams around them who are, beatable and they're away at Montpellier next weekend so you know um, let's see how that pans out yeah straightforward three points there I, I didn't say that I swear no <laughs> um, just um, focusing just on, on Amion specifically here as well from, from your perspective as a, a fan of obviously of Mets of one of the smaller clubs as well it, again similar question but I mean, they they have impressed, haven't they? In, in stages, they've got some good, good uh, technically good players, some sort of tricky players. That they they are, they were the the big story, weren't they? As as far as getting promoted last season from from league, uh, is it literally just a case of finish 18th or above, consolidate and and see where they end up? They're currently sitting 16th, and they had a three three game losing losing uh, a period recently and they they snapped that with a victory and then the, the draw last weekend is that is that purely their their ambition at this stage or could they go on and do what for example Onger did uh, last season uh, two seasons back sorry where they finished quite high up in the table um i think I, d- I don't think there's any doubt i don't think there's anyone in the in the in the club itself who would deny that you know 17th place or you know, at worst, 18th with a playoff would would sort of is the limit of their their aims this season. But because the league has been so bizarre this year and is sort of relatively bunched up in the middle and it genuinely seeming that anyone can beat anyone on their day, um, they they I wouldn't be surprised to see them sort of finishing comfortably mid-table I mean I, I definitely would assume lower half but um, it you know it could be if results go their way that they manage to to avoid a relegation scrap um, I certainly think that they're they're doing better at the moment than, than most people would have expected I mean they're effectively um, a quarter of the way through the season and over a quarter of the way the way to the points tally that you'd expect to, to stay up with um, in terms of how they're playing, I think they're they're really good fun to watch. Um, the marquee signing, I guess, and it probably says a lot about their limits, is um, Gael Kakuta, who a long, long time ago was the next Zidane, uh, one of the next Zidans. 
and never fulfilled his potential. But he seems to be enjoying himself and playing well. And El Hayam or Hajam's goal was um, a good finish, but it was set up by a brilliant run and a perfectly weighted pass by Kakuta. So he's the one that's making that team tick. But, um, you know, he's, he's, he's certainly not the only one. There's a few players in that team that are playing well. They've recovered from, from losing um, Ndombele to Lyon, who, who started the season very well too. Um, and I think they're playing with no fear because I think they know there's absolutely no expectations on them. Um, their, their coach at the weekend after the match said that um, they played sort of over half an hour with 10 men. I actually thought that the, the second booking was extremely harsh. It was for a, um, a dangerously high foot, but um, the other player sort of came to him from behind, so he didn't even see that he was there. Um, but the, the coach, Pelissier, said after the match, you know, after the sending off, we played with bravura and solidarity. And I think that's a really good way of describing how they're playing. Um, and I think they've been a really great addition. You know, obviously the, the way they went up last year is a fantastic story. And I think they're, they're showing enough to, to, to say that, you know, it wasn't, a comp- it wasn't unfair. They deserve their place in this league. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And as you say, to watch, they have really been entertaining. You're not, not quite sure what you're going to get, but they've been very entertaining. I do want to give one quick shout-out to the uh, the gang-up defender, Christoph uh, Kerbra, who, I don't know if you've seen, made an absolutely wondrous goal line clearance I think the score was 1-1 at the time and uh, the goalkeeper was beaten and he sort of flung himself across the uh, the goal line to make an incredible incredible clearance to uh, to guarantee the point for Gangot so full credit to him if you haven't seen it it's well worth a look but uh, that's um, that's the two games we wanted to pick up on as well as earlier on uh, focusing on on Lille one other thing I want to mention about Lille by the way just before we move on uh, Yassine Benzia um, the short socks, long uh, cycling shorts look, it's, it's not a good look. Stop it. It's, it's really not good. It looks like he's got jumpers on. It, it's not. No, that needs to stop. Anyway, he's we'll leave fashion behind. Benzema. Yeah, it's, it's just not. It, honestly, if you could dig out a picture, it, it's just really not a good look. Midlife crisis setting in, I think. But... Uh, <laughs> Yes, we'll leave fashion news there and uh, we will uh, we'll transition into uh, this week's Grande Bar. And what we want to focus on this week um, is, funny enough, where we just kind of left off and that is the bottom half. Um, no, not in the smutty way, boys and girls, but the bottom half of the table. Um, just having a look at comparing and contrasting a few sides. We, we've kind of touched on Amiens. So, uh, Phil, I want to get your views, first of all, on the two other promoted clubs from last season. Um, again, Probably the, the, the ambition for both is, is to remain in Liga. Strasbourg currently sitting in 18th in that relegation uh, playoff spot. And uh, Troyes, after a very decent start and actually scoring a goal, which was amazing this season, uh, several goals, in fact, um, nine, they are currently 15th. And uh, we've already focused on Amiens in 16th. So um, who of the promoted three looks like your best shout to stay up? And where do you sort of feel... Uh, particularly Troyes and Strasbourg are at this point in the season. I think what's interesting is we're going to see the two face off at the weekend because it's Troyes at home against Strasbourg and Strasbourg are in the better run of form. They're actually unbeaten in five if you include the cup game where they beat Saint-Étienne on penalties uh, last weekend, uh, uh, last week um, after drawing 1-1 um, going head through Bohoken and, and, and winning on penalties 5-4. So Strasbourg appear to have kind of Picked up some uh, some uh, some energy, uh, which I think means that you know this next game against Troyes, obviously they're playing uh, one of the other bottom half teams, one of the other promoted teams, is going to be very instructive. Uh, whether they can pull up a bit, because I think they've been trying. They're on ten points with two other teams at the moment, so they're looking to kind of leapfrog up up to uh, to a slightly higher level and they do look to be in you know decent they're scoring a reasonable amount of goals the defense is leaky yes and if they can work on that they have had that series of, of good results drawing at Dijon uh, drawing at Marseille beating Nice bizarrely uh, drawing at Angers at the weekend as well as that uh, cup win uh, on penalties over Saint-Étienne so Strasbourg are looking Okay, I think it's going to, 
you know, it's going to be a key couple of weeks for them to see how they're going to, to, to kick on if they can consolidate on this good run of form that they're on at the moment. Yeah, I think it's, uh, as we said, it's, it is literally a case of trying to, uh, to keep in the division. What about some of the other clubs that just give you kind of a handful to talk about here? There's the three clubs I want to look at Dijon, uh, Angers, which we kind of briefly touched on. Um, we probably covered Met, so I'll give you somebody different. Um, actually, no, I won't. No, I will give you Mets because um, you can look at it from a, a non-supporting point of view. So those three clubs then, are they Dijon currently 14th, Angers currently 12th, but falling. And we, well, we know where Mets are. Let's not go there again. But are any of those clubs in a situation where you feel that a decent run of form could almost guarantee their safety by Christmas? Or do you think all three are going to be scrapping in and around the bottom three come the end of the season? Um, uh, Mets, I think, are so far off. I really think that at best, they're, yeah, they're going to be scrapping all season. And, you know, if they're scrapping into the final week, that's probably not bad going <laughs> um, at, at the rate they're going. Do you take that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, Angers, I think, are going to be fine. I think they're playing the best football that they've played for. Um, not maybe not as effective as their first season, but I think they're playing better football, the best football they've played since they've been back in Liga. Um, I think Tokoe Kambi is is uh, doing really well up front. I think um, his goal this weekend is is fantastic and really worth a watch. You know, a lovely one-two followed by a nutmeg, followed by a classy finish. Um, I think he's doing very well. I think they they made some canny signings. Um, Angelo Fulgini is a player that that we've talked about on and off for quite a few years now is one of those ones that sort of broke into the Valenciennes first team so young that it sort of it feels like he's been around for years and he's, he's still sort of in the French under 21 squad um they do draw a lot of matches seven wins, so far two defeats as, and seven draws yeah as our, our our friend Thomas Wiseman on Twitter was asking us about who's the most frustrating team to watch or support right now and saying he's going to throw in my beloved Angers uh, with seven draws already. But if you, you, you get, you get sufficient wins, you know, drawing, drawing and losing. I think it's important just not to lose. Um, And I think they've, they've definitely shown enough quality to, to suggest they'll be fine. Dijon, I feel, as a neutral, I kind of want them to be fine. Like Strasbourg, actually. I think they play really nice football. Um, I, I like a lot of their players. Um, you know, Samaritano has always been a, a, sort of a lovely little player. and um, Maria, I think this, this year has been very good. Jano has some kind of flashed on and off, as, as, as you'll know, Chris, as a Lorient fan. <laughs> yes, he's definitely got He's definitely got some good ability, as you showed with that fantastic goal against... PSG, um, yeah. PSG, yeah. and they've got an excellent goalkeeper in Rennes. So I feel like the same as last season. They should, we said all season they're playing nice stuff and we're not sure why they're down there. I feel like nothing's changed. I, st- I still feel a bit like the quality of the football they're producing, they shouldn't really be in the bottom half. But I certainly think they're, again, not amongst the worst three in the league and I think they'll probably be okay, but possibly... It might, they might secure safety later than Angers, <laughs> but yeah. I think I don't, I don't expect them to struggle to stay up. It's a nice way of putting it. I like that. And um, just to kind of wrap up the discussion, I just want a, a quick sentence from you both on on two underachievers, uh, those being Nice um, and, in my opinion, Ren, who, despite two uh, two successive victories um, in Rich's absence, I feel we do have to rope them in with with Nice. My question to you both: Are, are they both too good not to go down? Because that's just the oldest cliche in the book. But are they both too good to be in the positions they are? This, at this stage of the season come the middle part of the season when both really should be probably in and around the top 10 if not higher Ren currently 13th and Nice down in 17th with four straight defeats um, Phil let's start with you do, you do you see both of these sides being sort of comfortably finding the form to take them up the table I don't know about comfortable um, but obviously Nice have had some tricky games recently most recently obviously losing 3-0 away at PSG which is kind of understandable but they are five games without a win 
um, it's it's not it's not gelling particularly well. Um, so you'd expect Lucien Favre is a manager good enough to be able to deal with that. That the players he's got are good enough to be able to deal with that. But it might not be comfortable um, getting out of this. But I think I'd expect them to. But there might be some more bumps and twists along the way, as it were, with Ren. I mean, the the uh, win away at Montpellier at the weekend, I think, was half of the course after Montpellier had had such a great run of form, uh, kind of unbeaten in five against, uh, including PSG and Monaco, to then lose at home to Rennes. Um, I think Kubek was great in goal um, to kind of uh, shut off the home side there. But I think Rennes also possibly aren't going to be comfortable. I know there's been uh, you know rumours about the... the Man, potential managerial changes and all that kind of stuff. We'll have something up on that hopefully um, in the next week. Um, so again, I don't think that'll be comfortable. I'd see Nice, despite them being below Ren at the moment, ending up above them, but we'll have to see how things pan out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, agreed. And uh, Chess, do you see major changes at either of those two clubs in in the foreseeable future? Um, whether that be playing staff in January or you know managerially. I mean, Lucien Favre clearly is a a very good manager, but is he not going to be tempted to to fly the fly the nest if a big job becomes available, given the struggles he's had this season? I don't, I don't think he will mid season. Possibly at the end of the season. I don't think he will before. Um, I, with Nice, I read a. A stat. I actually retweeted it on the French Football Weekly account this week that um, they compared various teams' positions with their their same positions at the same stage last year. And um, interestingly, like um, all the top four, I think it's the top four. So PSG, Monaco, Lyon, and Marseille have all got more points than they had last year. Nice have got 19 points fewer than they had at the same stage last year, which is wow. just a stunning statistic. Yeah. Um, in terms of changes, I think two big changes, one that's hopefully going to happen anyway, and the other one that I would make if I was manager of Nice, um, for some reason I haven't been called yet. Um, Shocking. The, the good piece of news, and hopefully a positive change, is that um, Cyprian's coming back this week. Um, hey. you know, probably not ready yet for the first team, but... Uh, ignore my phone, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that might be nice. Uh, <laughs> it's good timing. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I think he'll he'll sort of bring back some spark. Hopefully, he'll come back sort of as well as Player did because I think Player also after a long term injury um, sort of got straight back into his stride. Um, the other change that I would make is I would get rid of Schneider. I think he's a complete mm-hmm. waste of space. Has it and worked? I think he looks like he hasn't even bothered to try to lose the uh, excess weight that he arrived in this with. I think he's adding absolutely nothing. Apart from a, that, I don't know what the answer is. There's just so many players there, sadly, underperforming. I think the, it, Schneider against uh, the home game against Lazio that they ended up losing in the Europa League, his contributions seemed to be taking pot shots at distance. Uh, it wasn't. Particularly, or was that their last league game? I, I watched I my notes. the um, yeah, I watched a bit of the Lazio match here with them. Um, uh, no, it was the against Strasbourg. That was it. He okay. was um, Camano. You know, he uh, Camara, He just kept. You know, it's a good goalkeeper. You're not going to beat him from thirty yards with a slow shot. You know, it was. It didn't feel like he was adding much forward thrust. To the uh, to the arrangement. Yeah, the Lazio match I watched with um, F. Fanakoku was doing the punditry, and I assume that he was just basing his commentary. Or he probably had his. He must have had his back to the screen and was just basing his commentary on on the year that Inter won the Champions League because he was just raving about everything that Schneider did, but he did nothing. It was it was just standard punditry. Yeah, it, it did seem like an old signing. I, I must admit, but um, yeah, I think I think it's fair to say changes will need to be had if if uh, Nice are to propel themselves up. Then return of Cyprian surely will will help. But I just want um, one club and one club only from you both. Uh, a club that you feel in six to eight weeks from now will be looking over their shoulder. I just want one club from you both, Jez. Um. 
any club or a big club that you don't expect to be down there? Or? And any club, preferably a big one, because it makes for better copy. But, you know, um, any club that you think are in danger that maybe aren't at the moment. Oh, that aren't at the moment. So I was going to yeah. say Lille. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay. I feel like every year Toulouse are uh, possibly yeah. <laughs> um, not far away from slipping down the table. <laughs> yeah, depressed magic, yeah. drifting. I've never been absolutely convinced about him. I've always thought he's a bit of a Stuart Pearce or Kevin Keegan type. Sort of <laughs> a bit of rabble-rousing and not much behind it. High praise indeed. Are you you're on board with Toulouse as well, Phil? Is that your... Yeah, I that was the one I was looking at before. Uh, yeah. Just said, I mean, the ones that are down there were not going to be looking over their shoulders. They're going to be looking around them, worried yeah. at <laughs> yeah. just how that works. But... I can't see it going any higher, but that's mainly because Montpellier are in ninth, and I'm really hoping they don't go through that. See, I can, uh, and and ironically, it's come. Uh, they're the, the club that I, I've just never. It's it's nothing against them that they stayed up and Lorient went down. It's nothing to do with that, I promise. But um, I just not convinced by them. I don't think they get enough goals. I, I just I don't well, know. I'm, I know I'm they're seventh by them at the beginning of the season, and then they put together uh, that very impressive run of form against some of the, the big teams and yes they had a trouble uh, against Ren at uh, the weekend but I think they're finding their feet now as kind of a solid organized unit rather than uh, necessarily trying to outscore people which is a good thing because they're not um, I think they should be scoring more. Again, I mentioned that under stat uh, XG situation earlier. Actually, Montpellier are the ones that are the most down on where they should be in terms of goals scored. They've got eight. Um, they should really be higher than that. Convert some more chances. Be more efficient now that the defence and the defensive midfield is really holding up well. And, you know, we could see some... some uh, you know, further movement up the table. So they're playing Amiens at the weekend, uh, which should be uh, a good opportunity to put the Wren uh, result behind them and get back to the form that they were on before that five games uh, unbeaten uh, prior to that game to kick on uh, until the winter break. Yeah, I, I I could be proven to be an absolute fool for saying that, but just how I see it. So there you go. Okay, uh, we're going to wrap up the show with uh, a couple of questions. Um, we haven't got a lot of time, to be honest, so I'm just going to pick two of the best and give one each to our, our panellists. So we kind of answered uh, Bobby Chakrabortis. Thank you, Bobby. I know you well about what was happening at Nice. We covered that. Um, so I'm going to give Jez, I'm going to give you this one from our, our good pal, Philippe Bargil. He wants to know, are St Etienne better off with or without Galtier? Um, I still think they're better off without him just because um he'd been there a while i think he'd gone as far as he could go i don't think he was ever gonna try to be more positive in the style of play um but it's taking a while for the um i think the french phrase is something like for the mayonnaise to to, <laughs> to come together um the start of the season was going very well and they were certainly showing a lot more positive intent um but they were also getting ahead of a lot of luck and it feels like that's kind of evened out now and it's it's not so great at the moment and there's been a couple of articles recently showing that actually stats wise very little has changed but i still think that um Oscar Garcia wants to play football the right way it's not something that any team has it's very rare that any team has shown them has been able to to change that quickly from from a sort of dour defensive team to an attractive attacking team. So, you know, he definitely needs a bit more time and people need to, to be a bit more patient with him. Um, so long term, I, yeah, I definitely think that they're better off without him, without Gautier. Not because he was doing a bad job at all, but I just think it was time to move on. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. I think that's a fair comment indeed. Um, I will answer this question very quickly. Um, we made it podcast once to ask, name is centre forward in the world better than Cavani. Uh, sir, please message me and I will send you a list. 
it's not a problem. <laughs> um, and uh, the other question I wanted to give to uh, Phil, and we've had a couple of really good ones actually from um, at One Flaves, which we might address next week um, for differing reasons. But I want to ask this one to you, Phil, from a uh, pal of mine, actually, Janzev, Janzev Shahino. I know is a, uh, a new newcomer to Ligue 1 as of uh, last season. He started following Nantes. And he wants to ask you uh, if you think the... Um, if, or if we indeed regret our views that Ren would finish above Nantes, which I think was a pre-season prediction. I'm not sure who by. I'm guessing it might be the Ren fan. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I think, think I said it, to be fair. I was probably more likely to say it than Rich, actually. Outed. Yeah, he's <laughs> un- unlikely to predict Ren to finish above anybody, I think. so. Just the karma thing. No, I think... Um, what we've seen is that Nantes, obviously, with Ranieri coming in, it's they've had a bit of a stumble recently, but they are, you know, doing a very, very good job. They're up there in fifth. Yes, they lost to Dijon last weekend, but they were unbeaten in five before then. Um, and, you know, they seem to be kind of overachieving again uh given the kind of the the chances they're making they just seem to be slightly they're more efficient they they've got i think the lowest uh, average possession time um for each possession in the league they've got one of the lowest possession percentages um, the question is being asked is ranieri doing a leicester again can he do this with Nantes? so it's going to be interesting to see i think they've had they've had a tough week because obviously they were knocked out of the cup um, by tour, which nobody was expecting, and then lost at Dijon at the weekend. Uh, they'll be at home against Toulouse this weekend, which you have to think would be a good chance to get back to winning ways or more efficient ways. So I think, um, you know, Ren are in some difficulty at the moment, which seems mostly managerially based. Um, Nantes are looking pretty chipper and maybe that's also mostly managerially based so it's uh, it will be an interesting matchup between the two of them um, I think it's great to have a different team up there in the top six at the moment we've got Caen also uh, on seventh who are kind of nudging people in the shoulder um, and uh, uh, getting around there as well but yeah Nantes they're not high scoring but they've got a really good defence and they're just doing enough to, to you know, make it count uh, to, to get the wins where they need to. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Well, I say interesting. The game against Toulouse might not be that interesting. It might not be very high scoring. But in terms of, you know, the greater scheme of things, um, that could be a one to kick them on for the, for the next set of games uh, and keep them up maybe in the top six. I still think they're awful. And I'm hoping things will even out. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I, I wonder if the uh, natural, uh, natural sort of uh, leveling process happens uh, when they get a few defeats. But we shall, we shall see. Okay, uh, we are going to draw a line under this week's pod then, uh, because uh, Jess once again needs to put forward his case for the Ballon d'Or for this year at uh, five sides so we're going to draw a line there uh, good luck to you jez uh, looking ahead to next week's fixtures uh, the standout tie which of course we'll talk about next weekend is indeed the derby st etienne and leon which is sunday night at eight o'clock uh, don't be late take your front row seats that one should be very very decent so we'll discuss that and a whole lot more on next week's show you can follow us of course on twitter uh, it is at French FT Weekly. Uh, look out for our, our bits, bits and bobs on there. Also, follow the panelists with their various bits and bobs that are written, are written form as well. So please do keep an eye on the things that are coming out. And we'll be back with you next week. So uh, just raised to thank my guests. Uh, thank you very much, Phil, and thank you very much, Jez. Good night. Thank you. And we will speak to you this time next week. And until then, please enjoy your French football. <laughs>